This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to this special edition of Powerhouse Politics. I am ABC News political director Rick Klein, joined today by ABC News chief congressional correspondent Mary Bruce. And joining us this week for our special edition of the podcast, we have billionaire and philanthropist Tom Steyer here in our studio. So let's start on the news. Um, You put a a lot of money and a lot of Mm -hmm. emphasis into the races, uh, particularly in Virginia. What is your big bottom line takeaway from this night? A lot of people say, well, it's a Democratic state, elected Democratic governor, big whoop. What's the takeaway from Tom Steyer's perspective? I don't think there's any question what Virginia said last night. Yes, Democrats have won in Virginia in the past, but they've never won by 10 points. Seven, at least 16 seats in the legislature flipped last night. The highest estimate that anybody had was nine. And it can go to, there's one still um, up in the air, which would mean the whole legislature flips, which mm-hmm. would make it 17. So no one predicted the size of the victory, the breadth of the victory, the turnout. The turnout was 10% higher than it was in 2013, the last gubernatorial race. And the fact that if you look at young people where we were doing a ton of organizing of young people, people, under 40, the spread was 39 points. Terry McAuliffe had a five-point spread for millennials. Ralph Northam had a 39-point spread. I don't think anybody expected that. We didn't expect that. The turnout was a record level for young people. So I think that this was by no means a quote-unquote big quote. (laughs) This was a wave election across the state of people saying, we're rejecting this Trump administration, we're rejecting the policies of divisiveness and bigotry, and we really want to go back to traditional American values of accepting people and moving forward together. And, and drawing the lens further uh, from than just Virginia, you have the victories in New Jersey, you had state legislative victories all the way out in Washington state and across the country, mayoral victories. It was a big night for Democrats, no question. Do you read it as a, a, as a direct repudiation referendum on President Trump? I don't think it's ever exclusively a referendum on the administration, but I think it's always partially that. And last night, there's no question that a big part of that victory, the size of that victory, the scope of that victory had to do with Americans rejecting this administration. I don't think there's any question about it. You can look at all of the data about how people feel about what he's doing and how he behaves himself and the kind of risk he's putting us under, and they don't like it. And they went to the polls. They got up and went to the polls in unusually large numbers because they're upset and angry and they want this country to go back to being the kind of um, cooperative, positive place that we've been for hundreds of years. And they don't want a, a world where people are talking about dividing us and disliking each other and trying to go to this very, very negative view of the world. Well, and, and we saw that in the numbers to a lot of voters coming out saying they were voting against the president, not necessarily for the candidate. What do Democrats need to do now going forward if they're going to continue this wave, as you call it? Look, I think it's absolutely critical 
to have a positive view of how we can move forward together to a better future, to a more prosperous future, to a healthier future. And I think it's really important. And I don't think it's rocket science to do it. Because I think the simplest way to think about it is, in the 21st century, if this country is going to succeed, then the people of this country have to succeed. And we have to invest in the people, whether it's education or health care or training or food for kids in school. If you look at the Trump budget, he cuts every part of that. I mean, I was personally offended about the idea that poor kids don't have a right to food in school. It was described as non-essential. If you think that a poor kid eating lunch is non-essential, then your values are completely different from mine. And if you think the United States can succeed without those kids doing well in school, which they can't do if they're hungry and can't concentrate on their work, that's crazy. All right, so let's talk about your campaign against the man at the top here. You're running a $10 million ad campaign calling for the president to be impeached. Let's take a quick look at it. A Republican Congress once impeached a president for far less. Yet today, people in Congress and his own administration know that this president is a clear and present danger who's mentally unstable and armed with nuclear weapons. And they do nothing. Join us and tell your member of Congress that they have a moral responsibility to stop doing what's political and start doing what's right. Now, you have managed to actually irk both sides of the aisle with this ad. The president, not surprisingly, not exactly a big fan of this, doesn't have nice words for you, calls you uh, wacky and totally unhinged. Uh, he hasn't come up with a name yet, but maybe, said, maybe that's still coming. May I point out, he said, yes. we never win elections. I would say, excuse me? <laughs> Within one week, he got resoundingly put down, and we, we had a great night. I, I would say that was a great tweet. Just I, Couldn't have been poor, more poorly You're timed. embracing the name. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but but on the other side of the aisle, too, Democratic leaders are reportedly frustrated with this campaign, that it's a distraction, that they, they want to stay focused on what they're doing to counter the president's agenda. Is this really the best approach here? Well, let me say this. I can understand why establishment politicians are offended that their agenda gets disturbed by the American people. But I think that if the American people, if the American people's health and safety is at risk, and we come out and give them an opportunity to directly speak up on that and, vo- and in effect vote to say we think something should be done about it, then I think elected officials should be attend- paying attention to the pe- American people and trying to do what's right and get away from their political agendas and start worrying about the health and safety of the American people. But in what way is that the banner that the Democrats should put themselves out there in the midterm year? Is that... How do you present that as the agenda? Should that be number one item? We're going, if we, if we take the House and the Senate, we impeach. Or should they, and this is the point I think you'll hear from Nancy Pelosi and others, say, look, we have to put an agenda forward for people's lives. I, I, privately, a lot of Democrats would say, yeah, we'd love to get rid of President mm-hmm. Trump. Realistically, not going to happen. So let's talk about what we want to do. Well, we have gone to the extreme step of believing that the American people can hold two ideas in their heads at one time. I know that it's difficult for some people to believe that, but the fact of the matter is we strongly believe that there has to be a positive vision for the country, absolutely, and we also believe that this president is a threat to the American people. And so when you say, please don't say anything for a year because we need to run our political, you know, we need our political agenda to go forward, I would say, no, actually the American people are at risk, and you're asking us not to tell the truth 
not to do what's right because it doesn't fit in to the, the way that political tactics are organized in Washington, D.C. And I would say, actually, the American people have a right to raise their voice and say, this is absolutely critical. Our safety is at risk. So that probably should precede, you know, come ahead of the political agenda of people who are running for office. But it does also take time to build an impeachment case. There are these ongoing investigations. Mueller is clearly making some headway there. Why not take some time to let that play out? In fact, Nancy Pelosi was asked that that very same question. Let's take a listen to that. No, I, I believe that whatever we do, we have a responsibility, first and foremost, to unify the nation. Second of all, you can't go down any path without the facts and the law. If that's there, perhaps it will come out in these investigations. So does she have a point? Do these investigations need time to play out? Let Democrats focus on countering the president's agenda. Let Mueller do his work. Okay, so let's start with the question of whether the um, criteria for impeachment have been met. I mean, I thought it was actually really humorous. I was on uh, the air last Friday, and the president had just called on the Justice Department to do an investigation of his political opponent, Hillary Clinton, and said that, you know, he didn't understand why they weren't doing it, and, you know, he, you know, really made it clear that they were going to do that or he was going to have something to say about it. So there was a congressman, a very smart congressman from Southern California, who was on this show, and they said to him, is that uh, obstruction of justice? And he said, oh, it's very, very clear obstruction of justice. And they said, is that an impeachable offense? And he said, oh, my goodness gracious, that's an obvious impeachable offense. And they, but the point was, but he's not for impeachment. Mm -hmm. So the question is, I, the Mueller investigation, look, I'm all for the Mueller investigation. I want him to bring everything to light. But we have gone way past the point where he has reached, he's, he has, you know, I say to people, look, He's robbing the liquor store in plain daylight. He just committed an impeachable offense on the air last week. He is getting paid off by, by foreign countries all the time. This isn't a question of Mueller having to... This isn't an investigation where... This isn't a prosecution for, you know, in the Justice Department. This is a political statement. Has he met the criteria? Is he a threat to the American people? He's definitely... We've seen him do it. He's definitely met the criteria, and he is a threat to the American people. And the question is, why aren't people willing to stand up and say that? I don't understand it. I wonder how this plays into the, the other piece of the argument and just the, the results from last night, because I, I'm sure you and a lot of Democrats are looking at the results last night and saying, where were these people last year? Why didn't you have this kind of turnout? People knew you were running against President Trump. He wasn't the president yet. Maybe people thought they could, he couldn't win. But you're going to run into the same problem in the midterms. Democrats have traditionally, in recent history, done very poorly in the midterms because they don't get that same kind of turnout. Is it, some, is it important for Democrats to be against something, something big, in, in the president of the United States at this moment in terms of galvanizing the party and getting people to vote? Look, I don't think there's any... The turnout last night was much more than people expected, much more than historically has ever turned out for a governor's race in Virginia. Right, and, and this is no disrespect to Ralph Northam, but as you point out, this was about President Trump on the ballot. So the idea, honestly, I find it somewhat laughable that we're going to have midterm elections in 2018 that are not about Trump. Could we please not talk about Trump? Because he's, you know, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something else. Look, he's on the ballot. Traditionally, the administration is on the ballot in the midterm elections. Mm -hmm. and, and to your mind, being and it, you know, the idea that somehow we're not going to be talking about it, that Americans aren't going to be offended about what he's doing. Actually, they're highly offended. The reason that our impeachment 
petition has had such great response is because Americans are really offended. I think the whole idea that we need to keep the American people down so we can do our agenda is that doesn't make any sense. The fact is the American people are screaming for change. But making this a litmus test for Democrats, does that make it more about where the Democrats stand on this and less focusing on their Republican opposition? I wasn't aware we'd made it a litmus test. Is it not? You're asking everyone to go out and, and ask boy. their lawmakers where they stand. And they, what, what we're saying is to the American people is raise your voices. We need to speak up as a people. We need a direct voice for the American. The American people are supposed to be running this country. I mean, not to bring up a, an unpleasant fact. It's supposed to be <laughs> a democracy. <laughs> I hate to bring that up. It's not Washington, D.C. running the country. It's the country being reflected in Washington, D.C. And if the American people strongly believe this, we're trying to give them an avenue to raise their voice and say, this is what we want. We think we're at risk. We want you to do something about it. And if that's inconvenient, if that makes, if that disturbs people's plans, then so be it. We think we're telling the truth. We think everything in Wash, everyone in Washington knows we're telling the truth. We think Republicans have said much harsher things about this president. Sitting Republican senators in the last month have said much harsher things about this president than we've ever said. We're just giving the American people a chance to voice their opinion that something should be done about it, and it shouldn't be swept under the rug and pretend it's not happening. Why do you? That's an interesting point that you raise, and it's it's something that's stuck in my head watching this unfold over the last couple of weeks. You could argue that, that Jeff Flake and Bob Corker have said stronger things about the President of the United States than just about any Democratic senator has. Yes. <laughs> I, I am wondering about that. So, but what's behind that? I mean, clearly, any Democratic senator, we've talked to a number of them on this program, and mm -hmm. they're no fans of Donald Trump. And I'm not just talking about red state senators, even blue state senators. Why is it that, that some Republicans, once they kind of break free of Trump, feel yeah. liberated to talk in a way about the President that even some Democrats well, well, let me just say, I don't live in Washington, D.C., Outside of Washington, D.C., people feel very free to say exactly what they think. Outside Washington, D.C., where I come from, people are outraged by what's going on. They're scared. They feel it's completely wrong. They think the bigotry is as un-American as anything they've ever seen in their lifetime. And they want to change. And we're giving them a chance to voice that outrage. And so I, can, I don't understand. You know, you guys are if you'll excuse my saying so, much more sophisticated and expert in terms of, you know, how people in Washington think. From our standpoint, we're trying That's to... That's not a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I apologize before I started, Rick. But I'd say, look, from our standpoint, we believe we're trying to just tell the, an important truth that can't wait a year and give the American people a chance to voice it. And frankly, I think last night was a vindication of what we're doing and a repudiation of the idea we should sweep this under the rug. I don't think we're sweeping this under the rug. I think it came out absolutely loud and clear last night. I think it's come out in the response to our petition. I think the American people are really, really upset about the way this country is going. I think the health care plan scared people really badly. I think this tax plan is something that the American people don't want at all. I think what we're doing in terms of climate, where we're the only country in the world denying truth and science, is something people find that's ridiculous. So, no, I think that, the, you know, the idea that this is business as usual, that's the assumption. It's business as usual. Why are you interrupting business as usual? Because it's urgent. That's why. 
you mentioned you don't live in Washington, but you haven't ruled out that you could at some point in the future. You haven't ruled out the possibility of running for California Senator Dianne Feinstein's seat. You flirted with the governorship. Do you prefer Sacramento to Washington or Washington to Sacramento? (laughs) (laughs) What I've said and what the truth is, is that I think we're in a political crisis. That's why we're doing this impeachment petition. That's why we have all this grassroots organization around the country to try and get people to join the political system to engage and to participate. I think we're in a huge crisis, and I don't think people recognize that enough. And so when I, when I try and figure out what I should personally do, mm-hmm. my real question is, what can I do that will make a difference? Right now, I'm working really hard between the grassroots stuff and the impeachment campaign. I, believe it or not, actually put in a day's work. <laughs> <laughs> but not ruling it out. But you, you say join. What's, what's the argument against? I mean, did, why not? Against did, what? Against running for something. It, it looks the, the like a campaign ad, we got to say. Even, even set you, you out of that. You see, the, the message to, to, to people is join, right? You, and we saw a lot mm-hmm. of people running for local office even uh, that, that win this week. Why not do it? The reason to do it, I mean, there are a lot of things I could do. We could say, why not? You know, whatever. The reason to do it is if you feel as if, if I felt as if I could do a different job from the other people who are running for it. And, the, and the, it would be differential, and therefore, in some way, I could actually move the ball down the field, actually be part of the group of people, getting the country back on what I would think of as a positive course. If I felt that way, I'd run. What kind of timeline are you looking at for, for say, the Senate seat? There's already people up in that in that primary race. Mm-hmm. I know there are, and there have been for you know quite a long time, actually. Sure. I don't think I have a definite date. I mean, I know there's time. It's, at some point, you have to actually file or not file. But the fact of the matter is. I don't feel the pressure on that because I feel as if I am working full time to try and act politically to move the ball forward and, you know, basically try and push the country to right itself. And so I don't feel pressure to make a decision because I feel like we're actually being productive. And last night I felt like, you know what, we really are being productive. We're seeing a change. America is coming to the conclusion that we're going to do the right thing, which we always do. The question was always not, would we do the right thing, but when would we do the right thing? And that it's impo- And my point on urgency is it's really important that we do it sooner than later because the cost is huge. Do you like getting that question? You get it all the time. <laughs> I always wonder. It, it, there's like there's an art to it, and there's an art to the answer on it. Is it you know? Is, is this part about of me? Yeah. Well, I think that people think that I have some sort of hidden agenda. A grand plan. You're right, yeah. and I don't. Yeah. What I, I, I say to people, I'm really trying to do the right thing, and I'm willing to do almost anything to get us back. Look, and I'm not feel bad about myself, about this. I feel like I, I'm incredibly lucky. I'm incredibly lucky for having been born in this country. I'm incredibly lucky to have been born into a family that took care of me and gave me a lot of opportunities. I've had a very, very blessed existence and I look at the people in my family and the contributions they've made in the past to the country, and I feel like they made much, you know, they, my father was a World War II, you know, that was his, my grandparent, grandfathers were World War I, you know, people have had to make real sacrifices. So if I feel like this is an opportunity for me to do something where I feel like I'm giving back some of the great luck and gifts that I've gotten from this country and from the people I grew up with, great, great. I'd like to have a life that's meaningful. And so is it selfish? Totally. I would like to think that 
I participated in something meaningful. But I think Americans want to do that too. And I think that we're missing that. I think that that is, you know, I think previous generations felt they were part of an experiment moving the world forward, moving the country forward, and that they took a ton of pride in that. I think that's completely missing. And I think that that is actually the spirit that has pushed this country from the very beginning, that we are the pioneers of freedom and justice. And until we're on that path, I don't think we're succeeding as Americans. Tom Steyer, we appreciate you being here at Powerhouse Politics. We'll have you back when you're ready to make a decision. <laughs> we'll ask you 14 different ways. If we can take one, we'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll go, go at it. But in all seriousness, thank you for, thank thank you for joining you. us. Thank you, thank you for highlighting us. And that is it for this special edition of Powerhouse Politics. We'll be back next week with another edition. I'm ABC News political director Rick Klein. Thanks for listening.